Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you doing, sir? Mr. Birkenfield, I'm doing very, very well, uh, my man. It's a busy old week, but I wouldn't have it any other way, though I wouldn't mind getting a bit more time to put my feeties up. But I'm here tonight with a cup of English tea, and I'm ready to talk some film with my statesman. But you know, and the listeners know, I can't talk film until I know how you are and that you are keeping Florida single-handedly safe. Oh, you know it. Um, been fighting crime all the time, making an yep. extra dime. Uh, yes. You know, doing all sorts of signs and uh, <laughs> can't stop the rhyme. So, yes. Actually, I just appeared on, I want to plug a, a, a friend's podcast, um, Craig. Uh, he's been doing the Music Musing podcast uh, for yes. a few years now. I've been on it a couple times, and he's been on Top 5 Movies back in the day. Um, but he's just rebranded, not rebranded because it's the same name, but uh, restructured the format of the podcast. Um, and now he's, uh, they used to take a topic and really like dive deep into the music. Now he's more about the interview side of it where he wants to hear kind of people's musical biographies almost like cool. Um, how, what music did for you kind of thing. And uh, so uh, that episode, I think just dropped the day we are recording. Um, it was a really, really good, uh, fun discussion about like where, I, you know, how I got into music, what music really influenced me, um, you know, why I stopped playing music. And uh, we ended up after we were, were done recording, talking for about an hour and a half. We, we you know, we, we were bandmates back in the day and we've, we've stayed in contact Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the conversations about our musical background, we, we both learned some things about each other that we didn't know, despite having now been friends for over 16 years. Um, and so it opened up a, a lot of doors where we were just talking for a long time. We kept saying, all right, well, we got, we got to let each other go. And then 20 <laughs> minutes would go by. But, yeah. Um, that's what it, we're it, like before we start the show. Exactly. Uh, like, we really have got to start this show now. Come on. <laughs> and it's one of those things, you know, we don't get time to communicate outside of text messages mm-hmm. outside of recording times. And then like, we have so much we, we want to discuss and, and say, and um, sometimes it's work related. Like today was planning and, and mapping out our summer for, for movies. Cause now with theaters are open again, folks um, almost everywhere. And what, whether or not that's a good idea will remain to be seen, but we have ventured out. And uh, in fact, we're here today to talk about the, the current biggest post pandemic theatrical release so far um and vin diesel saved the movies oh that was what he claimed and it <sighs> seems to be true f9 the fast saga which was uh, officially changed to be the full name of the the movie um from my understanding part probably because f9 is not distinctive enough for some well, people to know F9 what it is we'll calculate all the worksheets that are open in your workbook yeah yeah it's a weird I there mean, they go. keep changing the naming convention of all the movies in this franchise. It is by far, I think, the most erratic naming convention of any franchise. <laughs> F9, Parabellum. Um, yeah, so, uh, which that, uh, that's the weirdest choice for John Wick Chapter 3. But um, this movie, F9, uh, we see Justin Lin return to the franchise mm-hmm. after leaving for 7 and 8. Um, and, uh, and he didn't do Hobbs and Shaw. Um, it's written by Daniel Casey. This is, I think, Casey's first time writing for the movie, and Justin Lin also has a writing credit. Stars the the, the whole family, uh, except for the dead one. Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, 
uh, Nathaniel, I'm sorry, I don't know how to Natalie. say it, is it Natalie? With yeah, an it's H just Natalie. Yeah, she's British, we're posh. Ah, okay, because uh, we would not have the H in the American film. We don't Natalie have the H, to be fair. Charlize Theron, or Charlize Theron, depending on how you want to say it, and uh, the man who cannot be seen, John Cena, Jeez. making his debut to the Fast franchise. Um, the synopsis, I th- I'm not going to read. I usually do. I feel like it's not a spoiler, but it is a spoiler because it's not exactly what happens in the movie. Um, you, you know um, what I'm saying? Like, it, it is um, literally a twist uh, in the synopsis. The, yeah, um, and it's the, still not even a twist. It's literally not itself. what happens. Yeah. It's, yeah anyways. That, well, that that is what happens, but that is literally... This is what happens in the film. It's not what the film is centered on. It, that's literally what happened. That's the twist, like you say. But but that that character does not enlist the help of the other character that the synopsis claims. It's if anything, that's a no, misnomer. Yeah, um, yeah. There's 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 a there's a bit of software or there's a bit of hardware. Sorry, that two people, two factions want for different reasons, um, and they both go after it. The, the basic synopsis, though, is Dom and Letty have uh, stopped doing the spy thing because Brian, the kid, not the the adult, um, yeah. is is now Vin Diesel's or Dom's prime, primary concern. But he's pulled back in when Mr. Nobody goes missing. And it turns out that the person who not only has potentially killed Mr. Nobody is kind of left uh, uh, unclear um, at the beginning of the movie and, and elsewhere, to be fair, uh, it has uh, involved someone from Dom's past. Now in the trailer, they do reveal a lot of it, but I'm going to leave some to the imagination, but we get a new character. Uh, we get a lot of the, the rest of the family shows back up. The trailer does kind of spoil <laughs> a few things. There are some things we knew we were going to get in this movie, um, yeah. but we don't like to do spoilers on our basic review. But if you like hearing what we think overall, we're going to have a spoiler episode that will release uh, a couple days after this episode drops. So yeah. just say it on the feed that you don't have to do anything special, but do mind the spoiler warning. If you haven't seen F9, you don't want spoilers. You're safe right now, but watch for that spoiler episode. But this movie, not doing horrible in terms of critical reception. It's 60% RT, 58 meta score, and a 5.5 IMDb user score, which is actually the lowest of those scores. And it's a little surprising because usually it's the, the fans who love these and the yeah. critics who are so harsh on them. But apparently a little bit of a flip on this, uh, this particular one. I think critics have finally just accepted this movie franchise is exactly what it is. Um, and so we're, we're, they're being kinder to it than they used to be. <laughs> um, so a couple of things before we've never reviewed a fast movie on this podcast. Nice. Um, and I, I saw, I, I think we should do a little history with the franchise for both of us. Yep. Um, I saw Fast and the Furious, the the Fast and the Furious, which is necessary it's to confusing. emphasize. Confusing, um, but I saw that in the theater, uh, like at our uh, the dollar theater. So it was like on its way out of the theater. But I caught it. I enjoyed it as a kid. Um, I didn't. I had not seen, or at least I had no memory of Point Break at the time. If you haven't, uh, or if you're not aware of this, Matt, the first Fast and Furious is a rehash of Point Break, like literally oh, yes. beat by beat. It's just. Street racers instead of surfers. Yeah, Ten um, years later, or whatever it is, yeah, yeah. But there was something about it. I really liked it. I had seen Vin Diesel in uh, Pitch Black not long before, and I was already kind of a fan of of what he was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. I have since learned that he's very one dimensional. But if <laughs> when it's working, it's working. 
It's limited, um, we call him. Right. I like Michelle Rodriguez. Um, so I, I liked her as Letty in that. I, you know, I, w- I was on board. I waited to see Too Fast, Too Furious until it was on like TV, and I did not like it. I thought the name was stupid. I, I didn't really know who Tyrese was, but he definitely was no Vin Diesel. Um, and that's saying a lot. And um, I then I, I watched Tokyo Drift many years after it came out. It was on, I, I think it was on basic cable or something. And I didn't mm-hmm. mind it as much as I thought I would because it's still, it's definitely like a straight to DVD vibe. But uh, there was a character in Tokyo Drift named Han that I liked. And Han is my favorite character of this entire franchise. I think he is the most interesting and well, like his performance is just fantastic. Um, I'm so I, I waited for years to watch any of the other ones. Um, mm-hmm. I, when I worked at FYE, which is, uh, you know, a DVD store, I bought yeah. fast and furious, which is the fourth movie, but I didn't watch it. Waited, waited, waited. And then, um, Right before Hobbs and Shaw came out, I bought the box set uh, that had the first seven movies, and I had got uh, I got Fate of the Furious cheap. I don't remember; like it was just on digital cheap. And so I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to watch all of these movies. And after years of kind of criticizing them before seeing them and just mocking them, I found myself to really enjoy watching the franchise. Do I think they're dumb? A hundred percent. I think they're very, very stupid. But I think the movies. Uh, for the most part, have done a good job of just going with it. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it does feel like a superhero film. And up until F9, I've had very little issue with those big, crazy moments. There was a couple in Hobbs and Shaw that jumped the shark a little for me. Mm-hmm. But overall, I find the franchise entertaining. Um, I have not rewatched any of them but the first movie. I've seen the first movie probably five or six times. Yep. None of the other ones have I taken any kind of effort to rewatch. I think I've seen scenes of Fast Five more than once um, because it was on like regular TV one day and I just threw it on the background. But otherwise, nothing um, in terms of rewatches and no real desire to rewatch the other ones. I, I was slightly tempted before getting into F9 because I was like, well, I don't really remember Fate of the Furious that well. Maybe I should watch it. Couldn't do it. I was just like, nah, I'm good. Um, so that's my history with it. Matt, you have seen almost none of these right you're right um i have not i hadn't seen any of them uh because I, i've seen the whatever the first one's called i'm confused the the fast and the and the yeah, that one there when it you know just a couple of people you know driving cars and getting up to some high jinks fine not i'm not a fan of cars but that does that doesn't exclude me from liking these films um but i i haven't seen any others after that Partly because I wasn't particularly bothered by the first one, so my interest in watching the second and the third wasn't there. And then, obviously, you hear about the reputation that they had, which is pretty much what John said. You know, they're they're big, dumb action films, uh, for want of a better term, that have got progressively kind of more silly and more shark jumping as they went along. I thought, you know, I'm not interested in that. And the cast members they got, I was like, you know what? No, thanks. But I've, I've always been impressed by... Uh, the, some of the talent they do manage to get, like Helen Mirren, she's up for she's up for coming on and having a good time. Kurt Russell, we love Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's in these films. I'm here mm-hmm. for that. So, um, uh, upon watching this film, because we we know it's the biggest film of the week and one of the biggest releases of the year, it's a fast it's a fast film. This this is one of the biggest franchises of all time. Whether I, you, or anyone likes it or not, this is one of the most successful film franchises franchises ever. So yeah. we're gonna watch it. But I'm thinking, Christ. I probably should catch up on the law. So I know uh, my buddy, Bespin, um, 
he is uh, he's a Star Wars leaker, the best in the business, best in bulletin. He is a huge, and I mean huge, fan of these films. So I called him up and I said, I need help. I need some kind of law timeline or video or something that's going to fill me in for everything I need. So he sent me this video on YouTube. It's about 40 minutes long. And I sat down and watched the whole thing. And I even took notes on it because that's what kind of uh, critic and film fan I am. So I felt actually after that, that I knew, I knew the characters, I knew their relationships with each other. I know who are the bad guys or the ones who were and then have changed. Um, I know who, I know who passed away in the films, Han. Um, obviously I knew everything with Paul Walker as well. And the, and, and the, uh, when he, his finale in the very emotional scene when he drove off on the, uh, different paths to, um, Vin Diesel. But uh, I did see Hobson Shaw though. And surprisingly had quite a good time with it. Again, didn't think it was great, but I thought, you know, that was quite fun. Um, but I went into this film with an absolute open mind, as I do with everything. So, obviously, when John's given his thoughts, I'll give mine. But I went into this one with a knowledge of the franchise, with a knowledge of the characters, their relationships, and what happened in the last film, and, you know, to set up this film. So I was, I was very confident that I could go into F9 and just get straight into it without thinking what's all this about so um and i went in with the most open mind you could imagine so that's kind of where i am with the fast films well you know um i hope it didn't go poorly for you because uh i being a fan um and i I didn't say the box office we don't usually but i think it's because this is a big up uh it made 70 million opening weekend (laughs) Um, very good here in the u.s it's it's been out for a few weeks in the in other markets um right now according to box office mojo international it's at 335 million uh just international box office so international from my perspective uh which is different than matt's perspective because (laughs) obviously uh yeah makes sense uh, worldwide, though, a total right now of 418. That is, uh, it's currently showing our domestic at 83, so it's made some money since the weekend. So we think, uh, it is get to, think it is going to get to a billion? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, man. Because um, that was the question pre-pandemic was the last one to hit a billion was The Rise of Skywalker. And there was that fear that there wouldn't be another billion dollar film for a long time. But, you know, we're halfway there with F9. Yeah, I mean, but it's been, I don't remember what the release day was for International, but it's it's been, mm-hmm. I feel like it's been two or three weeks uh, out. It's, it's, in, it's in my, I reckon it's about 10 days, yeah. So I, I feel like usually that's where the bulk of the money is. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like the word of mouth has been super positive on this, mm-hmm. where it's going to bring in more people. Um, but let's get into our kind of take on it. I. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to start with a criticism that is not a spoiler early, early on in the movie. Uh, Tyrese's character, Roman acknowledges the fact that he should have died. Yes, Um, he does really, really, really early in the movie. And it's not just like, Oh, that was close. I should have died. It's, it's like, no, no, I have concrete proof that I was shot and yet have no bullet holes in my body. Like there it's, is it's a full sequence, isn't it? Where he's talking about. Yeah. This. Uh, yes. It, and it follows a sequence where I was watching it going, man, this is really ridiculously over the top. Like, and this, this is a franchise that is notoriously over the top. Um, following, uh, just, pre- I'm sorry, just preceding the, the shootout sequence, Vin Diesel 
hooks a car tire to a rope bridge no. that and 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 grapples himself to safety uh in a way that's just not possible and that that should have been the most crazy thing we witnessed but no pulling from what we know from old action movies where you know like star wars is a great example the stormtroopers have zero aim these bad guys are shooting tyrese all over the place and, and getting nowhere but at the end of that shootout it looks like he has been shot but he is not hurt and then he addresses that directly now I don't think that was a good idea uh, Mm -hmm. because it sets a precedent where now the characters, unless this is going somewhere and it does not get resolved in F9. So there's not like there's a payoff for this in any real way here. So unless in F10 and F11 or whatever they're going to call the next two movies, uh, who knows because they keep mixing them up, but there's supposed to be two more for sure. Mm-hmm. And then it's probably going to end. It's one more they're splitting into two, which is two movies which makes when you ask zero me. Yeah. Sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes zero sense because there's no source material for <laughs> exactly. that. But, um, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> unless they're going to pay that off in some really weird way, mm-hmm. it, it's not a good idea to point out that we're so past reality that even the characters are starting to question what's happening. Like that's, it's a weird choice to, to go that route. Um, and I think that was the, the arguably the worst part of the movie. Now that said, there are other scenes that are even more ridiculous in terms of like some of the believability. And one of them is that this movie made me realize how old Vin Diesel is uh, literally because the movie starts with a flashback. And it's 1989, and mm-hmm. we meet Dom as a young man who is probably just out of high school, so 18, 19. And it's 1989. Now, they never tell us what year F9 is actually taking place, but I've always just assumed it was real time. So it's got to be at least 2020-ish um, when all of the events of F9 are happening. So that makes Dom in canon at least 49 years old, give or take, right? Uh, you, you buy that mask roughly. Yes. Now, again, I could be wrong with what year F9 is supposed to be taking place, but there's nothing to indicate that it's older or uh, substantially older. There's too much technology for it to be mm-hmm. a lot in the past. So it could be like 2015, 2016, maybe, but more likely it's right now. So Vin Diesel's, and he is in real life getting up there. He's been, you know, been acting for a long time. I mean, his first like movie was like a breakdancing video or something like that. Goddamn. He's, he's 53 so, now. Right. But he's also starting to show physically a few of the fight sequences that he is in he looks a little stiff to me mm-hmm. um th- i think the next two movies he should just be in the car uh, i think it's noticeable that he's he's you know feeling the pain um but if you like the fast franchise you probably aren't sweating too much those little details the action sequences are still pretty compelling um the dialogue is is cringy more often than it's not uh, the character development is is pretty straightforward and, and ridiculous, but I think Sung, Ka- Sung Kang, who plays Han, is fantastic. Um, I really, really like him. I think he just has a presence. I don't know why my dog is barking. I apologize. Um, just giving her opinion, that's all. I, I do want to know, and this is true for both Furious 8 and F9, um, that... Uh, 
whoever has decided Charlize Theron's haircut, dude, must have a, a bitter rival with her. Because why would you give this woman a bowl cut? Like it's gratuitous. Why would you give anyone a bowl cut? But like Charlize Theron is a model on top of being mm-hmm. an actress. Like she's she is a. And I am not saying this in any kind of like like. Do I mean to demean her or something? But she is a. I think objectively objectively beautiful woman. She's an extremely and, attractive human being. Yeah, and she's had all sorts of different styles of hair. And other movies have made her like gone in to make her look unattractive intentionally. Like Monster is a great example, right? They tried to make her look not like a fashion model. And yet I still think this is the most egregious. Like why, why does she have a bowl cut? Nothing about the character implies that she would have no sense of style. Like I, I think I can speak to this. Mm -hmm. I had a bowl cut most of the time that I had hair and then hair was taken from me and thus no bowl (laughs) cut. I've always felt it was a punishment for wearing a bowl cut for so long. I had one as well when I was in, uh, in high school over here, which was very early in my high school years, my I say, I was about 11. And that was a style. And even then it was going out of style, but it was a style. And obviously like there's the Beatles had bowl cuts, but it's not currently a style. No. And she, everything about her attire says she does get fashion in the character. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it's such a weird choice and it's not something I want to get hung up on, but I do think it just speaks volumes to the level of ridiculous that this movie franchise will go, mm-hmm. that they put Charlize Theron in a bowl cut. And even John Cena, who's notoriously had a buzz cut most of his career, has like slicked back longer hair in this. And I don't think it looks bad, but it's just like, it's a weird choice again, because his he's a military guy. The mil- He's always had a military yep. haircut. What's happening? Like, um, I, I don't, I don't know a lot of the weird choices this movie makes. Um, I, I like a lot of the characters. I don't like, Roman most of the time. Um, I love Ludacris. I think Ludacris is an underrated actor because he's been stuck in this franchise, I think, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I actually think he's pretty good. He's very likable. I don't know if he could lead a film, but I think he was he would always be a good like sidekick character. Um You know, they bring Jordana Brewster back as uh uh Mia, who wasn't in the last movie because of what they've done with Brian's character. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there, it, I don't mind her. She's not, she's not real dynamic. She's kind of, you know, plain Jane just there. Um, I don't think her action sequence that she gets is, is particularly good, but it's not bad. Um, but there are some really cool chase sequences, which you expect in a Fast and Furious movie. And uh, there's some innovative stuff with magnets that I enjoyed, all of which uh, kind of ruined by the trailer if you were anticipating, like, surprises. But, um... The biggest curveball I had going to this was, was John Cena going to be able to pull this off? Because mm-hmm. if you look at Cena's filmography, he is better in comedic roles than yes. he is in any action or serious dramatic roles that he's been cast in. And I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's bad here. I think the dynamic of the character is not great. And I think a lot of the dialogue he's given is not great, but I don't think it's Cena's fault. Um, but I don't think they're using Cena well because I do think Cena has shown with us. Uh, I think Trainwreck was the first time I realized that he could be really funny. Um, he's super funny in a very small role in the uh, Sisters. I think was what it was called. It was the Amy Poehler and Tina Fey yep. movie. Yep. Um, and then obviously uh, Blockers from a couple years ago. He was fantastic. Uh, but that whole movie is just amazing, um, com- com- comedy wise. And 
I think that's again maybe a miscast. Obviously, um, you know, The Rock is missing from this film, which is uh, I think a a bad thing. I I think uh, Hobbs is a compelling character in the other Fast movies. I think again, the Hobbs and Shaw standalone movie not great, but um, overall, I if this movie were thirty minutes shorter. I would probably like it a little more because there is some fluff that could have been trimmed out and some, you know, the, the plot kind of recycles on itself as a lot of these action movies do. It's like they, this happens. Well, guess what? This is gone now. And now you have to get it again. It's like, well, wh- why though? Why can't we just do it the one time? Um, but overall it, it delivers mostly what you expect from a fast movie. I think the worst thing is there are several, very long lingering shots of Dom looking at something like mm-hmm. with the, what's supposed to be like affection, but it just looks like this weird smug. I told you so pose because Vin mm-hmm. Diesel's not a great actor and he doesn't seem to know how to do it. And he's having a hard time like smiling. It, it, it feels like someone who's never smiled before being told, all right, smile. And he's like, you're like, Oh, Oh, maybe don't smile. Cause <laughs> it's not working. But um, and that's coming from someone who is kind of a fan. I'm definitely forgiving of this franchise, and it, I, I have kind of low expectations overall. I just want to see some stuff happen that's entertaining, engaging, and I want it to feel kinetic. Um, and it, it mostly does. Again, there's there's definitely some... I, it's not as strong as... as uh, I think 6 is really, really good. Fast 5 is good. I, I like Furious 7. There's some of the most extreme stupid stunts in, in 7. Eight's where I started to kind of fall off again, and nine didn't do much to win me back. So I'm curious to hear what you thought, Matt, having no real connection to this franchise. Um, well, it's interesting you say that the film should be half an hour shorter because I I actually thought the same as I mean, well, two hours twenty five minutes shorter would have been better. But I honestly thought, yeah, it's half it's too long. Um, I, I'm glad to hear that you got something out of it because I honestly thought this was awful. Um, I really didn't f- find it. I think I, I think a few times I had a little, I had a little smirk. I thought oh, that was a good gag, or oh, that was fun, funny. Other than that, like the, the moment you mentioned with Tyrese uh, and the Invincible sequence, I thought, oh no, are they really going so self self referential now and self aware that it's actually like infiltrated the scenes of the film to to this kind of point where it almost makes it empty. Um, uh, and that same scene that you said, I'm so glad you mentioned it with the the bridge sequence with um, mm. Vin, the sorry Dom and the indestructible car across the cavern, and I just saw and I and I was like, right, I know I'm meant to sit here and enjoy this, but I literally went, oh, you've got literally you're kidding me. I literally said that under my breath, like you're kidding. What the hell am I watching? Um, and that was kind of what I thought through all of it. It it just fa- felt like a cacophony of noise hitting me. It wasn't just one or two explosions. No, we'll have 20 and we'll make them loud and we'll make them one after the other. So you, your brain and your ears have no time to settle. But at the same time, we'll have someone speeding through the streets and then we'll have the guns going off at the same time. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? Um, so I wasn't uh, in, in at all. This didn't make me want to go back and watch any more. And it actually makes me pine for that first film again. It's like oh, that f- things were so much simpler back then when they weren't where they are now. And everybody, it, I won't mention it, uh, say what it is, but I'm sure people have heard like what happens towards the end of the film, the joke about where the fast, fast saga is going to go. Well, <laughs> watch the film. Um, 
that was just re- really odd. Vin Diesel, bless him, he really is limited. His acting, <laughs> his, I was like, honestly, I don't want to be disingenuous because you know it's Vin Diesel. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but what the way you said it, he, he, he's it's right. Vin, this Vin Diesel leading this saga is kind of like the epitome of this saga. Now, Vin Diesel, guess him, he can't emote, he can't carry scenes when he's really, which could probably be quite emotional or quite touching or poignant, but he just hasn't got the heft to pull it off. Um, Other than, like I say, the the scene with uh, the late Paul Walker when he drives off into the sunset. I know it's a a rehash of the older scenes, but, you know, no there's no dialogue really. Well, there is, of course, but... It's a quite a contemplative scene. It's that's well done, um, but honestly, in this, it is just a lot of pouting, a lot of gr- mumbling, or mumbling, mumbling. Uh, obviously, the family, uh, Han, um, as you saw in the trailers, Han's around. Just is. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, the <laughs> the reason for the. Um, the events taking place, the, the rivalry and the action itself is just really, you know, my thoughts on certain action films is that once I've seen one, I've seen a million times, this very important object is required by one person, but there's always somebody else who's evil who wants it as well. You know, it's, it's it's Netflix one oh one that is to me. Charlize Theron, not only is her hair an affront to mankind, She's she's really not in it for that much. I know that's not necessarily. No. Um, I, I can't say she's underused. To I be fair, though, that. she was the main villain in eight. I was going to say because I know she was the big part of eight, and to her coming back is a continuation of that. Um, Which, of course, Roman tells the audience at the very beginning. He's like, "This is the woman who tried to kill your oh, baby." He says God. out loud. He literally, he literally spelt spoon feeds it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. literally spoons feeds it to the point where he's saying that. And yeah, the dialogue is, the dialogue's not great. And I look, I, these, these films have a hell of a lot of fans. They make money. I, I would never sit here and say, why do these films make money? Because they do. Everybody. I mean, I love me the old action films from the early, early to mid nineties onwards uh, and prior like the eighties and that we all love those. Are they, are they any, any more intelligent or better written? No, they're not. But what they did have was that charismatic lead man or, or lead woman or something, um, whether that's Sarah Connor, whether that's uh, Sly Stallone, well, Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, Sylvester Stallone, Arnie, whoever it might be, um, insert action hero here. The days well, of the action hero are gone. And I know what you say about Dwayne Johnson. I I think the film I, may I have like missed him. some of his charisma. I do like him as well. I think mm-hmm. it, it would have missed his charisma a little bit. John Cena... When he was cast, I thought, oh, that's, you know, he, he will be the comedic relief because you play to his strengths. Like someone like Dave Bautista, you play to their strengths. You'd same as John Cena. He is very good as a comedic actor, but he's very straight and brooding here. And, you know, it's it's not that he doesn't make it work. It's just a, a nothing role. And, I, you know, yeah. whether that goes on into the next films, I would, will or won't say on this. But there was, no, for someone like me who, you know, this is a chance to bring me into this franchise now to say, look what you've been missing. Look how much fun you can have. I just didn't. It, it just, I just didn't. The action sequences didn't hold any weight for me. I did, When I came out, I felt just like I'd been hit around the head with a frying <laughs> pan a few times. Because my honestly, my ears were ringing. And I don't mean to sound like a kind of snob because I love daft films as much as anybody else. But this particular one... I could, right. could not get into it, man. 
I think they have to hit for certain things. So I think one thing that really, I think everyone expected Paul Walker's death to hurt the franchise, but I mm-hmm. don't think we anticipated the reason why. And I, I'm going to, I hadn't thought about this until now, but I, I do think that Paul Walker and Vin Diesel are two halves of one good action star. I think so. Um, Paul Walker is not a great actor either. And, but he has a natural charisma. It's hard exactly. to not like him. That's um, it. And I don't dislike Vin Diesel, but I do think, like what we both said, he Vin Diesel can do certain things, and he can't do like, lots mm-hmm. of other things. But unfortunately, the gravitas that, in this case, Justin is going for, and and in the other films that they, with the other directors, they ask Vin Diesel to do something which he he, he isn't in, in his wheelhouse, which isn't a knock on him. It's just that's just not where he's skilled at. Mm-hmm. It would be the same if you ask someone like Dwayne Johnson or John Cena; they just c- can't. But um, bit of Vin Diesel was good at other things, like looking tough. Yeah, and that's why he's so good as at, as Riddick. I like him a lot as Riddick mm-hmm. because he's supposed to be kind of stoic and a, a meathead. You know, he's just a killer. And yeah. uh, you you had that in the early movies, and that's the other thing about this franchise that's hard is the first movie specifically is a car bro movie where it's about the yes. cars, and I I'm not a. a a gearhead by any means, but Sorry. I did find something really alluring about the racing and like the underground side of it. And I, I am a sucker for surrogate family stories um, in general. And so I think that's part of why I always attach to this because I, I like seeing this kind of, you know, piecemeal group of individuals who had nothing and they have each other. And I get that and connect to that in almost any movie that does it most movies don't beat you over the head to remind you that that's what they're doing. It's about yes. family. Um, and, and they don't always have Corona and always have a bloody barbecue to end with or whatever. Yeah. It's just, but family. And again, that's something that the fans do like, and I, I can't yep. deny there is something that I, I do eat that up um, a little bit, you know, but again, the movie references that there's a, a line about Corona's. I think, uh, um, Oh, I forgot his name. Uh, Michael Rooker, I think his character says, these aren't... No, wait, does he give him a Corona? No, he gives him another beer and he says, like, uh, I know it's not a Corona. And and then Dom doesn't drink it or something. There's some line directly about the Coronas. It's like, yeah, but see, I don't even think the movie's sponsored by Corona. So, like, don't make it so explicit. It's a beer and food with your friends. That's the the family kind of thing. I'm all up for that. mm Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that's that's probably all we got to say about this movie. Justin Lin, um, he resurrected this franchise because you start. I don't even remember who directed the first film, but John Singleton comes in for Too Fast, Too Furious, yeah, and he forces Tyrese because the dude was really trying to make Tyrese a thing. Um, <laughs> Four brothers, and and also Baby Boy, uh, yes, before that, and so um, pushes Tyrese. Tyrese is in it. And then uh, Justin Lin comes in with Tokyo Drift, the movie. At that point, they had conceded that Fast and Furious would just be one of those straight-to-DVD franchises yeah. that they could make a bunch of money on. You just rock slap them up. in different places. You have cool cars. Boom, people buy it. Tokyo Drift's the last one that's really about cars. Fast and Furious, which is after Vin Diesel's now failed uh, multiple franchises. The Riddick's done. Triple X is done. He's now like, okay, crap. I, my career isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. I want my franchise back. So he makes a cameo that they film after the fact for Tokyo drift, mm-hmm. tie it all together. Um, I don't know if you know this, but chronologically it's one, two, four, five, six, Tokyo drift, seven, eight, nine. 
Yeah. If, if I'm, I think I'm correct on that. I might be off with where seven falls. It might be seven, then Tokyo Drift. But Tokyo Drift is ends up being retconned into the timeline because of Han. Um, yeah. And that's dumb for other reasons too, but it, whatever, fine. Um, I... I think Lynn's movies are the best of the franchise. I also, I am a big supporter of Star Trek Beyond. I like what Lynn did with that movie. I think it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. It does have some Fast and Furious vibes, especially the use of sabotage by the Beastie Boys. But I love that scene. I thought it was great. I had a blast with that movie. Um, so I was excited for him to come back. It it didn't feel like he brought the same energy he had in the other movies and that mm-hmm. it, it it didn't feel like it was paced the same. Like this one really drags at times. And that's for a movie that's built around being fast is a little disappointing and furious too, John. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm a nice guy. Anyone knows me knows that. So I'm always going to be the first to say, I didn't like this film, but yeah, I'm never going to sit here and say, you should, you shouldn't, nobody else should like this or you're, you're stupid for liking this film. Not whatsoever. I know how much this franchise means to a lot of people. It didn't work for me. And, my final thought is, you know, it's the most cliche thing I could say, but I genuinely think it's um, it's applicable here for the most part. I remember JB did mention that audience score and, you know, it is what it is, um, that if you like the saga, you're going to like this. If you don't like the saga, this is not going to make you suddenly become a fan of the saga. Um, and there is there is a there are, you know, there are stingers in this film, which, you know, may play the timeline somewhat as well. But um we won't go into those because it's just, it's a non-spoiler review, but yeah, it's, it, it is what it is. If you like the fast films, you're going to like this. If you don't like the fast films, I can't see you getting much out of this, which is sadly where I fall on the line on that side of the line. And that's our take um, for the F nine, the fast saga. We're going to get into our next segment, which is soft headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention since the last time we recorded. Uh, Matt, what's your headline for this week? Uh, my one is uh, it's kind of following on from one I did about six weeks, two months ago on this very same wonderful show we do. Uh, and it revolves around Ryan Johnson's Knives Out 2. Um, the headline isn't actually what I was going to lead off with. What I was going to lead off with is that Ryan Johnson posted a uh, confirmation the other day that Knives Out 2 is now filming in Greece, in the beautiful islands of Greece over here in the Mediterranean Europe. Knives Out 2 has started production for real. It's, it's happening. Um, but my headline was uh, about the cast. We know that the, the first, uh, the original Knives Out had a stellar cast. Uh, uh, almost, it, it's a who's who of talent and ones which I was so excited to see how this actor would play off against that one. And that one would uh, jive with this one. And it was just perfect. Knives Out 2 has had a big old cast again. Uh, obviously, I don't think it's going to be called Knives Out 2, but that's what we're all calling it for now. We know Daniel Craig's coming back as Benoit Blanc. We've got Dave Bautista, Edward Norton, Leslie Odom Jr., which is cool, Catherine Harm. But on set, we know, like I said, Ryan Johnson dropped that set photo. Within hours, the first set photos had come out. Ethan Hawke is in the film. Ethan Hawke's been cast in the film. Oscar-nominated Ethan Hawke. He, ha- he is sporting a uh, a ponytail in the film. But I'm so excited for this. And um, the, the they're, they're also claiming that Jada Pinkett Smith's been uh, cast as well. However, um, mm. there there is now some debate as to whether that's Janelle Monet or 
Jada Pinkett Smith. That is a debate I'm not getting into. I am reading yeah. that from the British paper called the Daily Mail, which has a very poor track record of anything with any 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 decency. Um, but yeah, Ethan Hawke. I'm a big fan of Ethan Hawke as an actor. I think he's I think he's wholly underrated, despite yeah. having a good handful of Oscar noms. Um, and I'm excited to see him in the film and the, the set photo had him on, on set against Dave Bautista. So we're going to get to see those two in a scene, but it, for me, it's just the diversity uh, of, of the kind of dynamism of this cast. Like the idea of seeing Dave Bautista acting against uh, Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn and Leslie Odom Jr. You know, bouncing off each other potentially and Daniel Craig being their linchpin for all of it. I'm excited, man, and I I loved Knives Out so much. I think it's so well written. It was so entertaining. It was everything I wanted it to be. I lo- I was looking forward to that since it it was announced because uh, mm-hmm. I like pretty much all of Ryan Johnson's films, um, and I like me a murder mystery. I was very disappointed by Murder on the Orient Express, so I was yeah. hoping that Knives Out would satiate my desire, and it did. Knives Out Two, I'm excited because it's the same uh, team of writers and director coming back. Daniel Craig's back. This cast gets me excited. Ethan Hawke is the latest kind of A-lister to be uh, invited to the game. JB, I'm excited. Um, Ethan Hawke, I know you're a fan, but does this get you any more excited at all for Knives Out 2? Um, a little more. I mean, I was already, I'm pretty stoked about it. I had a lot of, everything you just said about the first one is how I feel too. And mm-hmm. so I'm I'm all on board for this being a franchise. I I really like Daniel Craig anyways but i like him a lot outside of the bond role um, <laughs> yeah. i like him as bond but like i've really i like layer cake a whole lot i thought he was fantastic in soderbergh's logan's lucky um and i loved him as benoit blanc in knives out so getting to see that character again um i hope we eventually get the name because i i do not want knives out in the title um nope. I, I i think it, it you know if anything they should retcon knives out to a benoit block mystery knives out or something you know what i mean like if we're gonna get it's a line in the film isn't it knives out beaks bloody yeah well and there's the throne of knives like it makes sense in that movie it would be very weird if there's knives again in this movie you know like it it shouldn't be uh that same framing and also it had something to do with his the christopher Plummer's writing right like wasn't Mm -hmm. it yes so, like, that was very specific to that character. This should not have anything to do with... Obviously, none of the other characters are back, except for Benoit Blanc. So, mm-hmm. much like um, the the detective in Midnight Orient Express. Sorry, my brain was just like, yeah. I don't remember. Uh, Poirot. Uh, which is Agatha Christie's novels, right? Like, there's a yes, series of right. yep. books about him. Kenneth Branagh adaptation, yeah. Which we are getting uh, Death in the Nile or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like, at yeah, some we're still point. getting it. Uh, which I'm not super pumped for because I don't really like Kenneth Branagh that much. And like <laughs> you said, Orient Express, that's not the right, is that what it's called? I don't know. Uh, Murder on uh, the Orient Express, yeah. Was not good. There was a whole Last Supper sequence that was just ridiculous. Uh, like, Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, um, man. And they, they got yeah. a big cast as well, but Knives Out blew it out of the water. Big time. So I, I'm I'm excited for it for sure. Yep. Maybe, maybe call it Knives Out, a Benoit Blanc mystery, or whatever they. And the second one can be called whatever it wants to be. But you know, I'm with you there, man. So yeah, this got me excited even more so for a film I'm buzzing for. But that was uh, my happy, positive uh, headline of the week. I'm sure you've got something just as um, positive. Martin was more fun. Uh, we don't usually <laughs> do these kind of like uh, it, the the writer of this article is actually it's just their personal uh, kind of 
story, but it's one that I think every movie person can relate to. Um, it's written by, uh, oh boy, Toussaint Egan. I think is how you say it. It's a Polygon staff writer. Um, and the headline is reveling in our absolute worst times at the movie theater for your enjoyment. So I go to the movie theater a lot. Matt goes to the movie theater a lot. I have many, many positive, great time stories of going to the movies, but I have several bad, horrible experiences. Usually not the movie's fault. Usually the, the audience is what we're talking about. And that's what this person was talking about um, in relation to uh, going to the theater. Now I'm not going to read the, I don't know if it's a guy or girl, to be honest. I think it's a girl because there is one story that specifically says daddy daughter time. Mm-hmm. Maybe not like that father daughter time. And the writer is the daughter in that scenario. So I'm assuming it's a girl. Um, but just the headlines of the, of her worst experiences dude looking at nudes during Akira. So like dude on his phone, looking wow. at nudes at a animated film. Um, the man who this one, this is the story that really cracked me up. Man who made a calculated decision to sit on her during Interstellar, claiming that uh, they were in the wrong assigned seats, but they weren't. They were in the right seats, but the the guy just literally sat on her lap. Um, wow! Before finding out that it was, <laughs> I just he just comprehended what you've just said. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Just like was like, well, if you're in the wrong seat, well, I'm just gonna sit on you. Like what a jerk. Oh. Um, punch hour three. So during rush hour three, someone there was like a fight or something. Um, that this person witnessed uh, the time blade just didn't work. Uh, the movie didn't work while they were there. Um, and then, um, and I don't know that one. I'm not gonna read that one. Um, it's, uh, it's terrifying drunken racism at Pulp Fiction. So somebody maybe getting a little too happy with some of the racist commentary. And then uh, that, so that got me thinking about my worst theatrical experiences. And then I wanted, I thought it would be fun to talk about maybe one of yours or a few of yours, depending on what you have. Um, I'm just going to run down my big three mm-hmm. real quick. So the first, and this is, I, I don't like conflict, but I also have very strict like adherence to rules. And when people are violating rules that are now affecting me, I do get pretty mad. And so we, my wife and I went to see one missed call in the theater, the remake, uh, it was not, not particularly I, great movie. I saw anyways. that in the theater too. It had an iconic ringtone, you know, uh, that would like, my wife was always freaked out, but there were three <laughs> girls in the, it was a packed house, dude. Like it was like a sold out screening for some reason. It was like opening night, but still like, I don't know why so many people were at this movie, but it was packed. Three girls thought it was their job to do mystery science theater 3000 for the audience. Oh. Like they were, loud commenting and at some point i finally was like enough is enough and i shouted shut up and that that person decided to respond to me in an aggressive way and that started a chain of events where everyone in the theater started yelling at each other i didn't mean to start such a chain i just was hoping they would shut up Mm -hmm. but instead it started a yelling match in the middle of the movie and then it ended but there was this weird tension in the room for like the last 20 minutes of the movie or whatever was left where everyone was just like, Oh, now what is there going to be a fight? Um, but it was, it was a nightmare of a screening and could not believe how rude some people could be cut to, uh, another horror film lights out. So, um, I go, uh, to see lights out opening night. I'm very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'd seen the short and I was a big fan of the short and I was like, you know, cool. I'm, I wonder how this will be. And 
a few minutes into the movie, it's like 10, 15 minutes into the movie, like six people come together late, popcorn, sodas, blah, blah, blah. So afraid of the movie that they're freaking out before they have even sat down. They're, you know, being loud, being obnoxious. They then sit in front of me and are like this. They're, they're audibly scared throughout the film, which I am okay if you shriek, but like they're like freaking out over things that haven't happened yet because Mm -hmm. they're so scared. They're being loud with their popcorn and their drinks and they're, they're making a mess because when something scares them, they like throw popcorn in the air. It's, it's horrible experience, but to make it worse when the movie's over, I go, I, I take my daughter home because my daughter had come to see me, but I'm going to go, I come back to see Star Trek Beyond, weird coincidence. Um, and when I get to my, to the, back to the theater, they're like, it's going to be a little while. We have to clean up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is it in the same theater that Lights Out was just in? And they're like, yeah. So the people in that bothered me throughout my whole screening of Lights Out made such a mess that it delayed the start of the next movie that I was there to watch. So they got me twice. They affected me twice that night. Um, But I did get to see Star Trek Beyond, and it was, like I said, good. The last one uh, involves Big Tuna. We're at Split. We're sitting together at Split, and it's a packed house. Mm -hmm. It's like opening night. And there are four people behind us who apparently didn't actually want to see a movie. They're talking. They're literally on their phone during the trailers, um, which it's during the trailers, but we're already like, we're very worried that this is going to be, if they're causing this much of a disturbance now, what are the odds they're going to stop when the movie starts kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so we, we start trying to like get the regal employees to like, you know, Hey, these people are being a little rude. At some point, the people behind us threatened to spit on us. Lovely. Because they caught wind that we were the ones who, you know, were trying to, like, have them removed. And it it just became this tense, are we going to do something or not, throughout the entirety of the movie. And it was a very unpleasant experience. So those three are some of the worst times I remember going to the movie where the people sitting around me made my experience a nightmare. And I, I just, guys, please... It is why when I teach film to high school students that we start the year off with movie etiquette as a core tenant of the class, what that entails, what the proper protocol is, that commenting out loud is still talking during a movie. So it's not appropriate during the movie um, because I want to make the world a better place, guys. And that's how I do it. I make your theatrical going as good as I can influence. So if you have children or if you yourself don't adhere to movie etiquette, maybe maybe stay home and watch Netflix. But Matt, I want to hear what was your worst movie going experience? Yeah. I, I second the last part of what you said. Uh, kids, one thing, but if you just, if, if you're going to go to a film to talk, to sit on your phone or to actively and ignorantly ruin it for other people, then just don't leave the house. You jerk, just stay inside. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants you there. Other people go. That might be somebody's the only time they can get out during the month for, work reasons mm-hmm. personal reason that might be their kind of time to call off don't ruin it for other people by being an idiot um and that's that i love the theater going experience the movie going experience but i can't lie every time i go now recently the last few times i've been it's been fine it's been great no 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 you know people talk before no of course so do i before the film starts and then when the film starts everyone's quite brilliant but 
there's always that kind of reticence or that kind of like, oh, is am I going to be able to watch this in peace? And maybe it's because I've kind of been spoiled over the last year and a half. The <laughs> pandemic showed me that I can actually just sit and watch a film by myself and not make any noise and have nobody else ruin it for me. Now I'm kind of thinking, oh, no, is somebody else going to wind me up during this? So, But I have a couple. Um, well, a quick swig of my tea to get ready for this. Here we go. They're not quite as... Um, violent sounding as yours but uh one of them was back in 2013 watching the conjuring but both of mine are horror films it seems to be a thing the horror crowd it can either be really raucous and fun um like when i watched the first it film the people behind me were terrified but at the right moments like when there was a jump mm-hmm. scare they jump after it um so once everybody else had absorbed it they would jump as well when it didn't ruin it it's great um but during the conjuring it just every moment you could imagine you had the it, it was like randy from scream but if he was an idiot if like when they were playing the clap game in conjuring it's it's uh. in the bed why would you go in there why, why what's going on don't go in there i was like and i think and i'm thinking with it she's, she's playing the game with her kid. she doesn't know that that's not the kid making that noise and um when they're in the basement doing a thing at the end the guy was audibly commentating on how this is like other films and what they should have been doing and how silly it looked like dude come on but i'm not you know unless unless it is i think i'm similar to you unless it's like actually getting in my grill or right behind me i'll be sitting there thinking you know i'll, I'll hopefully they'll shut up in a minute and i'll power through but uh hereditary though was the worst one i've ever been to and i thought it's funny how many people say this and i swear to god i have it on recorded episodes i've done on the back row or whatever other people have had the same issue and it's the same film and it's hereditary where just uh, kind of after halfway uh when kind of that well not even halfway a third of the way through where that kind of big shocking first moment happens where caught everybody off guard the audience has just kind of devolved into idiocy where people were shouting at the screen they were laughing in my cinema throwing things at the screen uh shouting obscenities at the screen screen loudly and it wasn't just one it was a few people doing it um and it just kind of it totally ruined the uh what was happening it ruined the atmosphere and you and you and i are very much alike like most people who listen to this you go to a film to get invested even if the film isn't very good like i didn't find f9 great but i still don't want people i still wouldn't have wanted people laughing at how bad it was and throwing things in it i still mm-hmm. want to watch it plus i've paid for this you know what i mean yeah. i've paid yes. for the experience whether it's a monthly card or it's a one-off payment who pays to go and do that and if you don't like the film walk out i told you like surprisingly um i can't even think of the name of the film searching i sat down to, i watched oh. searching i was just me in there with uh another couple and another and an older couple as well about 15 20 minutes into the film this one of these older couples just quietly just got up and walked out they didn't sit there screaming about how bad it was or this wasn't the film that they thought it was going to be yeah. or whatever they just got up and walked out and i was like fine now i know i'm not going to have any problems but it's always horror films that seem to get the worst they do Whereas I watched Endgame and Infinity War, and as you uh, had as well, people were going bonkers. They were going bananas over here. They were going wild during those films. And it made that experience better for me. Um, seeing yeah. everyone's gasping, crying, screaming, cheering. I was like, and this is and this has come from the guy who wants to watch a film in peace. He's, I'm very much like, I'm English. I can say, everyone settle down now, please. However, in a film like that, it, which had yeah. moments which were, <laughs> which were made for that reaction, you know, I, I I love it, man. And like, oh, when Han Solo comes on and does something in The Force Awakens, people were like, "Yes, I 
you know what, I'm here for that. But it, I, I, during the Rise of Skywalker, I had a few people got laughing at the moment where Kylo Ren says, you have his power. You're a Palpatine. I had, I had people behind me audibly groaning and laughing. They weren't mm-hmm. pleased by that, but inside I was. But um, the Conjuring and Hereditary, just for, it's just the ignorance of people. Like, if you don't like something, great, but the whole cinema doesn't need to know. You know, n- right, nudge your right. mate and whisper in his ear. This is this is crap. Can we get out of here? Don't. You know what I mean? And, I, and you've had it. I've had it. And I'm sure the listeners mm-hmm. have as well. It's it makes going to the theatre, which is something that we all love, kind of a, a chore sometimes. And it shouldn't be that way. I will note. I was uh, there when we saw the nice guys. I'm pretty sure it was the nice guys. I went with a friend and Big Tuna. Mm-hmm. Um, and Big Tuna has a Ooh. very audible laugh. Uh, it is a very big booming laugh. And my other friend also has a big booming laugh. And I felt like I was the rude person at that particular screening. <laughs> they were laughing else. at appropriate times, yeah, yeah. but sometimes for too long and definitely too loud. Um, you know, where like, <laughs> Come it was on, definitely, tuna. yeah. So, but again, laughing appropriately, it was that jokes. That, it wasn't like he was making his own joke and then laughing or whatever, but, uh, I remember like someone looking back at us and I'm just like in the middle of the two of them. Like, it's I'm not so me, sorry. I promise. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See um, that I could, I can, that I wouldn't mind as much because like you say, same as with my experience of it, it was at the right time and you know, right. it's fine. You know, as long as they're laughing at the, at, with the film and not at it. Oh, look I how bad this is. Yeah, I know. Some people would be laughing like that, like, intentionally you know like overdoing the laugh to like get attention that was not the case those two people do laugh like that mm-hmm. i i've known them outside of the movies that is their if they think something is genuinely funny they have big they let you know that they think it's funny well, i can um, imagine so, big tuna having a big old laugh mm-hmm. it's it makes perfect sense but all right that's our headlines for the week uh i thought that would be fun because it's it's we're back in theater so why not talk about those times where we wish we weren't <laughs> we can get up um, on our soapboxes for 10 minutes come on uh media consumption is where we're going next folks these are the other media that we consume in between uh our episode topics so movies tv video games podcasts not ours of course music anything like that uh that we've been listening to or uh you know diving into so matt uh why don't you start us off with your media consumption uh, I will do, yep. Uh, most of my week has been taken up by watching the, the European Championships, the soccer, the foot of football, uh, Euro 2020. It's class because mm. it's meant to start, uh, meant to uh, uh, play last year, but it couldn't. So it's been moved to this year, but they've kept the 2020, which is doing all sorts of things to my OCD. Uh, and England are <laughs> in the quarterfinals as we're speaking. So we're doing pretty well. We have a chance of actually winning something. Uh, but however, I have just jigged it and we probably, by this time next week, you'll probably be out. Um, so I've been watching that, but I've also been listening to some podcasts. I listened to the Halloweenies horror movie podcast, uh, where I've been talking about the Scream franchise. And um, I've also been listening to the Nightmare on Film Street podcast, where they've been talking about, I think it's Child's Play and something else. So I like horror podcasts because um, they're most of the films I consume in my, they're my comfort films and horror films. But in terms of actual films, uh, speaking of Knives Out, I have, I watched that, the whole Knives Out uh, news cycle got me thinking, you know, what? I really want to get back into that world again. So I watched that, loved it. Uh, I watched The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing with Kurt Russell. Again, never uh, heard of it. No, I'm you kidding. should check it out, man. It's a, it's a little film. <laughs> it's, you know, the effects are awful. Kurt Russell's really bad, but you, you never know, you might yes. like it. Uh, no, Thank The you. Thing, watch that because 
Mr. Nobody. It's like, oh, Kurt Russell, man. It's, I want to watch more Kurt Russell, the thing. What, be- what better Kurt Russell film can you watch for me anyway? Um, uh, I watched The Running Man by Arnold, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. We did our top five Arnold Schwarzenegger films on NPM this week. So I wanted to see if The Running Man was still in my top five. And it was because it's just cheesy, daft fun, which uh, you could say, hold on, so is F9. Hasn't got Arnold Schwarzenegger in, has it? So, and they don't, it's not quite as self aware or self referential as F9. The Running Man's a better film. Um, on, on Star Wars sessions, we had Brendan Wayne on this week, the grandson of John Wayne. Uh, he is, he, who plays the, uh, the Mandalorian. He is the body double for the Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal is oh. the voice. Brendan Very Wayne cool. is the man behind the suit. So every time you see the man, though, that's Brendan Wayne. Uh, so we had him on. And his grandfather, John Wayne, won his only Oscar for True Grit. So I went back and watched that afterwards. Um, and it's fine. Uh, I, I also, like the uh, Coen's brother more. Oh, the, their version. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Yep. Jeff Bridges. And Matt yeah, Damon and the Hayley introduction Steinfeld. of Haley Steinfeld. Yep. Yes. Um, and it was a movie astrology, which made me realize that that was her debut. Um, I knew she was obviously young, but I didn't realize that was her first film. But so it was. Um, also on sessions, we recorded our patreon commentary for revenge of the sith so i watched that and had a good fan and had a good fun watching another fun daft cheesy film um but also today picked up on blu-ray because i didn't have it on blu-ray blade runner 2049 um i couldn't find the copy i had so i went and bought it again for one pound fifty for two dollars uh and i watched the prologue so the three um so uh what's it called blackout nexus dawn and i can't remember what blade runner 2048 was called a short story but i watched those three prologues because i really wanted to get back into that um blade runner world that ridley scott set up and denis villeneuve wonderfully carried on so um bit of a kind of mix and match a lot of sci-fi bit of action a little a western uh, a murder mystery some horror and some soccer so uh that's my week jb and i know you've been watching some stunning stuff this week as well yeah, um, I well, I always like to start with a blank check. Uh, they yep. they're almost done with the John Singleton uh, filmography. So, uh, Four Brothers, which I watched for the first time uh, right before the episode dropped, and I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, I wouldn't say it's good. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> some of the stuff that happens in that movie. Uh, Chiatel Ejiofor is the villain in it, and it's reminiscent of um, Gary Oldman in uh, Leon the Professional level of like. Shooting up the scenery. Yes. Um, There's a part where he, like, because he's like the big bad guy, he makes one of his cronies eat pasta off the floor. And another scene later, he makes, uh, as punishment, makes like a lawyer sit at the kitty table while they're playing poker because he's mad at him. Hmm. It's like that kind of like crazy villain. Um, And then I also uh, watch Breaking Dawn Part One because on the Patreon episodes for Blank Check, they're doing. uh, commentary on the Twilight franchise and I'd seen the first three. I've never seen Breaking Dawn Part 1 or 2. Um, I know all of the spoilers of those movies though and so seeing it was not any better. Um, I, I don't love the Twilight franchise. Uh, Breaking Dawn Part 1 I didn't know is uh, Billy Condon directs and it's man it's out there. Uh, some weird <laughs> stuff in that movie. Um and then, um, because, what, two years ago, I lost the Oscar pool. Maybe three years. I don't even know. Uh, Matt, ago now. Matt commanded that I watch Exorcist 2, The Heretic. And uh, taking my time, but fulfilling my commitment, I finally watched <laughs> Exorcist 2, <II>, The Heretic. 
um, as part of Movie Club uh, podcast. So if you want to hear my full thoughts on that movie, you can hear me there. It wasn't as bad as I expected. I honestly went in expecting it to be like absolute one of the worst movies ever made kind of thing. Um, and it takes some huge shots. It's definitely not a direct sequel to The Exorcist in the way one would expect mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's almost like the opposite side of a conversation with The Exorcist. Um, but there's some interesting visuals, some really bad dialogue, and there's some really bad scenes. I think the ending is real bad, actually. I think that's really <laughs> where it, it dives off the end. But uh, it wasn't as bad as I had anticipated because – like at least there was like sensibility to what was happening versus like some movies where it's just like, what is going on? Do they even like write a script? Uh, you know, it, but still bad. Um, I mentioned four brothers mentioned twilight breaking dawn. Uh, next week, the episode of blank check will be abduction. The final John Singleton movie. So I watched that today and that's real bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's very, very bad. I it never is- knew most likely why Taylor Lautner it has pretty much vanished. Uh, he's done a few things, but he did kind of fall into the Adam Sandler uh, pit for a minute where he did grownups yeah. too, which is so bad. And then I guess I have not seen, but he's in the ridiculous six as well. Um, mm. But yeah, abduction, not good. Uh, I watched for this. Uh, we're in a new month for movie club and our theme for this month is biopics. Uh, and Corey picked into the wild. Nice. Um, which I had not seen before. Very oh, interesting movie. Um, true story. Crazy. Uh, it is. I am. So on the other side of like going back to nature, I'm like the complete counter to it. So a lot of the movie was me going, well, these, this is just stupid. Why would you do this? And then ultimately being kind of proven right. And like, see, I was right. You shouldn't have done this. Um, Eddie but, Vedder, you know, though. Uh, see, I don't like Pearl Jam, man. I know because you're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah uh odd uh, pearl jam's haunting me this week because i realized Good. that literally 15 minutes or so into into the wild i realized it was eddie vetter and i texted Corey. i'm like freaking eddie vetter and then i had the music musing episode uh craig and i talked about that because i i'm not a big pearl jam fan yeah. and then today funko pops announced that they're releasing the entire pearl jam collection i all saw that members. john it doesn't and get like, eddie vetter than this Oh, that's that's a dad joke. <laughs> yes, for it is. For psychic damage. Um, but the <laughs> highlight of my week cinematically was Werewolves Within, which uh, we didn't get to see at Tribeca. No. Um, but uh, it happened to be playing about 40 minutes from me where I live, but I was going to that city for something else. So I, I was like, I have time. I'm going to catch it. And I had a blast with that movie. I think it's super fun. My review oh, yes. is not posted yet, but I will be posting it this week. Um, if you like, like, it's actually got a dark comedy knives out vibe. Um, like That's exciting. It, it's, it's got a mystery element to it. I did not know it was based on a virtual reality video game. I knew it was an adaptation of a, of a game. I can't say yeah. I've ever played it or really ever heard of it. What set me in that direction was at the beginning of the movie, there's an Ubisoft title card and I'm like, hold up. Like is Ubisoft producing movies? And then no, uh, they aren't, but they do own the game, I guess. So that's why they got the title card. But um, as far as TV goes, I watched Loki episode three Mm -hmm. um, or four. I don't know. Whatever Uh, the newest episode is. I think it's the third. Uh, I think it's three. I think, you know what I think has happened is I've watched three and four. I don't know. I'm not mistaken. I I think we usually record on Tuesday folks, but we had to record on Thursday this week. So I think I have two episodes under my belt since the last time we recorded 
because there's been two Wednesdays since we recorded. So I've seen, I'm up to date with Loki. So whatever episode we're at now, which I think is four, I am through. Um, I, I'm enjoying Loki. I'm very curious to see where it's going though, because four, four did things I wasn't expecting. And so now I'm like, well, what's going to happen in five and six? Uh, so we'll see. Um, and then I was a really big fan of Dave season one on FX. It's mm-hmm. about the rapper, little Dicky. It's his like kind of fictional narrative of who he is as a real person. Um, season two's out. There's four episodes out. I've only seen the first two so far, but I really, really like the show. I think it's continuing uh, down a path that I like. It's very funny. It's, it's got a, a dark sense of humor. He tackles some tough subjects, but in very comedic ways. Um, and uh, a lot of times when you think it's going to do something really stupid, um, it, it does something really mature. Like there's a scene in season one where it, you think they're going to like make fun of people with like mental disabilities. And instead it's like this very safe space for it. And like mm-hmm. they, they're apologetic because they didn't know a character had a certain mental illness. And then like they're very supportive and, and it's just, it was so surprising because it's, it's actually a really positive show that has some really messed up humor in it. Um, it's, it's really worth checking out. If you haven't seen it, it is on FX. It's, uh, on Hulu as a, as a result, but season two is, is happening now. Um, Hulu gets the episodes almost the exact same time that they air live. I think it's like 30 minutes later it's available. So, uh, but that's what I've been watching. Sweet. Um, yeah, Exodus 2, uh, John's, John's is being modest. He actually really enjoyed, he said it's the best film he's seen all year. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you watched it, my friend. I did listen to the episode and I, I agree with a lot of what you said, um, in terms of like the ambition. So, um, and in terms of a remake, they are actually producing a sequel to The Exorcist. Blumhouse have confirmed they're not remaking oh. The Exorcist. They are doing a straight up sequel. They're ignoring two, th- two and three. So it's happening. Um, so yeah. Uh, more thoughts on that next week, maybe. But um, that was uh, another eclectic mix from you, my friend. That's what I try to do. And that is it for media consumption. But w- we have to keep working at being bloody awesome for you, listener. And that requires us making an effort. We have to think about how do we maintain these levels of awesomeness. And so, Matt, what have you been doing this week to stay bloody awesome? Well, obviously, to have these great takes and great opinions on film, which everybody loves, um, I, ha- I feel like I sometimes have to clear my head of all the debris and clutter. It's been a busy old few months here, had some life changes, and I've been walking a lot more in the last month or so than I have done in about the last <laughs> six years. Um, so I've and I've and I've taken to it. I'm, I'm in. I'm trying to BLB, be like book, and you know, get in good shape and that. Walking is obviously going to help that, but it's also, it's that whole thing about it's really good. Go for a walk, clear the mind, whether you've got your headphones in, listening to a pod, listening to music, or just nothing, listening to nature, uh, whatever it is you want to listen to, or the birds. Um, so I literally, short and sweet, I've been staying bloody awesome by giving myself the time to go out and have a walk, clear the brain. So when it comes to doing something like the BAMP, you know, I've kind of feel like, I, I don't feel like I've just done a whole day's work or been rushing around doing stuff. I kind of feel a bit zenned out and ready to deliver those bloody awesome takes. So very simple. Enjoying the great outdoors, my friend, for, for my own mind. Uh, but you're you, my friend. You seem like you've been up to some good fun stuff here. I, I have had a, the most social week of my life, especially <laughs> since the pandemic. But like I've actively been with people a lot, I'm all vaccinated. And, you know, if I'm in a public setting, I am still wearing a mask. But um, I had uh, a few of my graduates. I, I have 
the privilege of teaching three siblings over the years, um, and all of which have uh, now graduated, and I've stayed in touch with all of them. Um, nice. And the the middle and the youngest of the sibling group invited me over for uh, they they bought a Fallout cookbook. I don't know if you're familiar with the video game Fallout. Yep. yep. Um, but they made uh, they made. I think it's, I keep forgetting the name of the two headed cows in the franchise. I think it's Braham burgers. Um, so they followed the recipe. They made these really delicious bison burgers with, they had to make Nuka-Cola syrup to make the Nuka-Cola barbecue sauce for the burger. And, uh, we, they invited me over to see, uh, his apartment. Um, I had not been over to his apartment since he's now living on his own. He's got a, you know, a job that's paying really well. Um, so we had, I, I got to meet his girlfriend for the first time and then his sister, who's the youngest and her boyfriend who I taught as well. So it was like four, four, three former students, one person I never met before, but it was very cool. And then, uh, so we had burgers and then we played Jackbox games on the Nintendo switch, nice. um, which I had not played before, but it was a lot of fun. I'm a big game person in general. I just like games. I like board games. I like card games. I like video games. Um, and I like the social games a lot. And mm-hmm. It was, uh, it, that was, again, I could have picked a couple of different social activities. It's, it's a little outside my, my comfort zone, but I've been pushing myself, especially after a year where we had to live in isolation. Um, and I, I did, I found as much as I am an introvert by default, I do like some social interaction. So after a year of basically having none, mm-hmm. it was nice to have this kind of week. Although I have admit the fatigue did start to kick in towards the end where I'm like, I've seen too many people. I need to, I need to isolate. <laughs> it all depends um, on the people you're seeing. But yes, and this particular it was a great night and it was really awesome to uh to to see them thriving and to see them growing up. Um you know, I do think of them at this point as family. I've t- again, I've taught all three siblings mm-hmm. and I am they they uh we started a tradition with the oldest um a few years back where like he would come for Christmas, we have him for like Christmas dinner, that kind of thing. Uh a few days before Christmas. And then, um, as they graduated, we started adding the, uh, the siblings to it. So now like all three of them come over and we have like dinner and stuff. And so it was cool to be invited, uh, for this side of it. We're like, I'm going to cook for you. And I'm like, wow, nice. that's so cool. So, um, I, I'm grateful. I, I, I think he might listen to this. So if you are listening hey. to this, uh, thank you. It was great. I had a blast and I hope to do that again, uh, sooner than later. I hope we don't have to wait six months or a year because of another <laughs> pandemic or something. But if you are um, listening, I also like a bison burger. So just bear that in mind and I will come to Florida for it. I got to say, I don't know if I've ever had bison before. I, I thought it was really good. I don't know that I could tell, like if I had not been told it was bison, I don't know if I would have identified it as bison. No, no. Yeah. Um, it, and that's not a criticism to the chef. If anything, it's just like, well, bison just tastes like cow i guess bison like i don't know. like awesome yeah it is really it was really good like, i don't want to undersell oh, but it wasn't like again if, if i had not been told it was bison i would have just assumed it was beef and yeah, of course not yeah. a criticism just the, the reality um but it was very good uh and no, again that nuka cola barbecue sauce super good um so that's it for this episode folks uh we will be back next week with a movie i am st- I shouldn't be this excited about, but I tend to like these movies. Uh, the Forever Purge is out this weekend, and so Matt and I are going to venture out to the theaters, hope to yep. survive the purge, and get back on these uh, calls to discuss it. So, if you uh, want to give us your thoughts on either F Nine or any of the other movies we've covered recently, or the Forever Purge, you can hit us up on social media. Matt, how do they find us on Twitter? 
You're going to find us at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And you can find us on IG or the Instagram, however you want to call it, at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Of course, we're on Facebook. You can just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Individually, if you want to follow us, I'm at Burke Reviews and BurkeReviews.com. And Matt, where can they find you? Uh, just search what I watch tonight uh, across all of the socials or just on the internet somewhere. Uh, and you'll find me and my movie talk there. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a few moments, rate and review us, give us that five-star rating because it helps other listeners find the show. Um, We will be back before our episode of The Forever Purge with a very short spoiler conversation about F9. Um, In the meantime, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 blood